Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the College Hoops Daily Podcast. My name is Zach Kroll. I'm your host. And this is the show where we talk all things college basketball and it is officially feast week one of the best times on the calendar to be a college basketball fan it is monday afternoon and right here right now when i am recording we are just about an hour away from the start of the maui invitational the first game between tennessee and syracuse that is always every year just a musty event i can't wait i'm looking forward to it and we are going to get into some of the Feast Week tournaments and what you should watch for going into Feast Week. So many games throughout the day. It's an awesome time, and I can't wait. But we're going to get right into it. And this past weekend, there were so many notable results that really stood out to me. And going into this show, I was really thinking about what should I lead the show with? What should I talk about, especially to start on today's episode? And what I came down to was I just have 10 takeaways from this past weekend of college basketball. And I'm going to get right into it with the 10 things that really stood out to me. You guys know there are so many different teams and I want to hit on as many of them as possible. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to spend about two and a half minutes on each of these takeaways and give you my main thoughts and conclusions. So without further ado, here we go. We have to start off with the defending national champions from yesterday, the UConn Huskies and their impressive victory over Indiana at Madison Square Garden. The number five ranked Huskies got the 77 to 57 win. Indiana, I thought they did a pretty good job hanging around early in the game, but as time went on, UConn was just able to take advantage and they looked really good. Tristan Newton led the way for the Huskies with 23 points, 11 rebounds, and six assists. The other notable thing with UConn going into this game was their Stud freshman Stefan Castle. He did not play. He's going to be out for what Dan Hurley is predicting for, uh, about a month with uh, a little bit of an injury, uh, dealing with a knee injury right now. So he isn't going to be back uh, for the next few games, but UConn still looked really good. And the other thing that Dan Hurley said after the game that really stood out to me was that this UConn team, their depth is their strength. And they have a lot of different guys that could beat you. And I agree with that 100%. Tristan Newton could go off anytime. Again, 23-11-6 yesterday. Cam Spencer, the Rutgers transfer, he probably played his best game in a UConn uniform so far. He did have 25 points against Mississippi Valley State, but doing what he did yesterday 
18 points, five rebounds, and two assists at Madison Square Garden on the biggest stage against a pretty good Indiana team. That was impressive. Alex Caravan has also played really well uh, throughout the season. Donovan Klingon, we know what he's capable of. So the UConn Huskies, they're looking really good, and they will take on Texas on Monday night. But by the time you guys are listening to this, I'm sure that game will already be in the books. But I'm looking forward to that at Madison Square Garden tonight. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. I was a little bit concerned about UConn going into the season just because of the fact that they lost Andre Jackson. They lost Adama Sinogo. They lost Jordan Hawkins. Those were three just key pieces from last year's national championship team. But Dan Hurley has done such a great job building a winning culture. You could tell just how focused everyone is on the team and winning games opposed uh, to their own individual selves. And that's what really makes a team great. The Big East has just an absolutely ridiculous top three of UConn, Creighton, and Marquette. I think you could put those three teams in any order reasonably. I think all three of them are really good. All three of them have really good shots of making the final four. And I just cannot wait to see them play each other once we hit January and Big East conference play comes around. But I've been impressed with UConn's depth, even without Stefan Castle, the stud freshman who again missed yesterday's game with an injury and UConn will be back in action against Texas at Madison Square Garden on Monday night. We will stay in the Big East, and I will get to another team in that conference that was in action over the course of this past weekend, and that is St. John's, and they earned a pretty big victory yesterday over Utah, and I know that's not going to sound like much, right? Oh, St. John's beat Utah? That's a game they should win. What does that really mean? And the reason why it was a big win, I thought, was because I did watch a lot of St. John's throughout the last week, Monday night against Michigan. That was a pretty disappointing MSG debut for Rick Patino, They lost that game 89-73. They also lost on Friday in the quarterfinals of the Charleston Classic against Dayton. They gave up 89 and 88 points in those games, respectively. And it was just very clear and very evident to me that St. John's was just really struggling on the defensive end of the floor. And that is something that is fixable. You know Rick Patino should hopefully uh, be able to improve that throughout the course of the season. But I needed to see a much better effort to start on Sunday against Utah, and that's exactly what they got. St. John's won this game by scoring 91 points, which is impressive. Jordan Dingle and Dennis Jenkins, the two uh, key transfers in the backcourt that Patino was able to bring in, they combined for 37 points in this game. Dingle was phenomenal. He finished with 18, 3, and 5 on a very efficient 7 of 13 from the field and 4 of 8 from 3. Jenkins, who uh, Patino brought in with him uh, from Iona. You could tell he really trusts him with the ball in his hands. He was good. And St. John's is also going to, they're getting healthier. The UMass transfer, RJ Louise, who was another guy that was expected to be a key part of this team. He should be back in the lineup sooner rather than later. Uh, he's getting healthier, which is good. And also when you look at the St. John's team, Naeem Aline, the former national champion with the UConn Huskies, he came off the bench, provided them with a nice spark, scoring 10 points. And if you're St. John's, Despite things looking pretty bad after the Michigan loss, the fact that you were able to collect two wins this uh, past weekend against North Texas and Utah, you lost a tough game to Dayton. But even though we might have overrated St. John's a little bit in the preseason, I think it's important to remember that this team is basically just full of new players. The only real key contributor they brought back was Joel Soriano, who 
also had a really nice game yesterday. He finished with 12 and 15. And when you look at college basketball, anyone who's been watching this sport long enough knows when you have a team like this just filled with new players, especially in the transfer portal era, it's going to take some time, no matter how much talent you have. And I think ultimately that's going to happen with St. John's. I've heard a lot of conversation, especially after Providence lost a tough game on Friday to Kansas State. Like, man, how good is the Big East really, especially behind those top three teams of UConn, Creighton, and Marquette? I still feel confident that St. John's is going to make the NCAA tournament. I just don't know if they should have been ranked like a lot of people had them in the preseason. I still feel confident in Providence to make the tournament, by the way. Villanova should also make it as well, even though I still think they have concerns despite their blowout win over Maryland uh, on Friday night. So the Big East, they shouldn't worry about St. John's. I think they'll be just fine. And that win yesterday against a pretty solid Utah team should be a momentum boost. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Takeaway number three. On Saturday, we might have experienced what could be the biggest upset of the college basketball season so far. And I know on opening night, Michigan State lost at home to James Madison, and that certainly has a reasonable case. But James Madison, they're a really good team that was projected as the preseason favorite in the Sun Belt. Florida Atlantic, going into this game on Saturday, they were ranked number 10 in the nation, and they were hosting Bryant. And FAU, they're a very interesting team because they're one of those squads that was just so good last year, and they had such a great run. They made it all the way to the Final Four, and they returned just about everyone, eight of their nine primary rotation players from last year's team, and they had a lot of hype going into the season. And they've had some injuries, right? Elijah Martin, who I would say right there with John L. Davis, is probably their best player overall. He hasn't really played that well up to this point, but you understand why. He has a stress fracture, and he didn't play really in uh, all of Florida State, uh, Florida Atlantic's secret scrimmages in the preseason, and he just overall has not been good up to this point. He had seven points in only 27 minutes of action on Saturday. He shot two of 10 from the field, and even though this was a very surprising loss by FAU, I don't think it should have necessarily been that shocking, right? They overlooked Bryant. FAU going into this game had played pretty well in their two games. They beat uh, Loyola Chicago in the Barstool Invitational, and then they put up 100 points on Eastern Michigan. But my question with Florida Atlantic is how do they handle adversity? All this team did last year was win games. They lost four games the entire year, and now they've already lost one, and that's a game that they shouldn't have lost at home against Bryant. And they're also going to play – 
in the ESPN Events Invitational on Feast Week. They're going to play Butler in the opening round. That should be a game they win. But there are some other really good teams in that field, like Iowa State, like Texas A&M. Those games aren't going to be easy if you play them. And then you guys know also that Dusty May really loaded this non-conference schedule because Florida Atlantic also, they're now in the American Athletic Conference, which just to be quite honest with you guys, especially without Houston now, that, that conference just doesn't give you a ton of opportunities to earn quality wins. And FAU, if you look at their non-conference schedule, they have Illinois at Madison Square Garden. They're going to uh, play Arizona in Las Vegas. They uh, play Liberty on Thursday, who has actually gotten off to a great start. They just won uh, the, uh, another MTE event. Uh, they're 5-0. and Richie McKay has done an awesome job with that team. And that is not going to be an easy game at all. And Liberty won the Myrtle Beach Invitational. That was the name of the event. They got the win over Vermont yesterday. And they are now 5-0 and to start the season. So I'm just curious to see how FAU handles adversity. This was a team that was kind of smooth sailing last year. All they really did was win up until that heartbreaking Final Four loss to San Diego State. And I know Elijah Martin hasn't been healthy. And that definitely is a reason why that team lost just an unacceptable home game to Bryant on Saturday but I want to see how exactly how much mental toughness does this team have exactly and I think these games upcoming especially during the non-conference slate are going to be a huge huge test now I mentioned earlier when we were talking about St. John's that they lost to Michigan on Monday night at Madison Square Garden the Wolverines really did spoil Rick Pitino's Madison Square Garden debut with just a dominant, dominant victory over the Red Storm. And after that game, you had a lot of people, rightfully so, hyping up Michigan. And it's interesting with the Wolverines, right? Because there weren't really many teams, just pure vibes-wise, that had a worse offseason than Michigan. Their fan base was not happy with Jawan Howard after they missed the NCAA tournament last year, considering they had one of the best players in college basketball with Hunter Dickinson. They also had two NBA first-round picks in Jet Howard and Kobe Bufkin. But Michigan was not very good last year, and they struggled. And this offseason, at one point, it looked like wasn't much better. They had Caleb Love committed. He didn't end up making it to campus. And it was just a very underwhelming offseason. And there weren't a lot of Michigan fans feeling particularly great about this team entering the season. And then they just went into MSG and dominated St. John's. And it's funny because even though I didn't necessarily expect Michigan to be that great, I picked them to finish 10th or 11th in the Big Ten going in just like everyone else. I did see a path for them to be decent, right? They they had two guys, two upcoming sophomores in Doug McDaniel and Terrace Reed who were both really highly ranked recruits at one point. And they both showed flashes last year, especially McDaniel. He was great considering the role he was put in as a true freshman after the injury to Jalen Llewellyn. So you had both those guys coming back as sophomores. In the transfer portal, they added a guy in Namari Burnett, who is a former top 10 recruit coming out of high school, but he just hasn't really proved that he could A, stay healthy, or B, play anywhere close to the player that he was in high school. And against St. John's, we saw him take over the game, especially in the first half on Monday with a career-high he had 19 points in the first half, which already lapped his career high. And then you have another player in Olivier Kamwa from Tennessee, who was always good, but 
I just felt like this role and this spot for him was much better compared to what he was asked to do at Tennessee. And he's played really well up to this point. So everyone was hyping up Michigan after the St. John's win. Rightfully so. They also played really well against UNC Asheville and Youngstown State. But then on Friday night, they lay the absolute stinker losing at home to Long Beach State. And Long Beach State, they had a dominant victory over DePaul, who I know it's DePaul early in the season, but you're Long Beach State. Anytime you could beat a Big East school by that much, you're doing something right. And Long Beach State, is a they're a good, solid program. They have some high major or former high major players as transfers that are really talented. Marcus Shahon is former Washington and VCU player. He's the main one that comes to mind. He dropped 35 points for the beach in Ann Arbor on Friday night. But if you're Michigan, that's not a game you could lose, especially when on this show a lot in particular, too, I've expressed my concerns about the Big Ten. I thought maybe there was a chance the Big Ten could be much improved this year with a little more NBA talent, a little bit more athleticism. But no, Michigan State has struggled. Illinois has struggled. Ohio State has struggled. Wisconsin has struggled. Of course, Indiana has struggled. And these are all relative to expectations. But Michigan was the one team in the Big Ten you could clearly look at and say, okay, they've overachieved up to this point. And now you can't say that anymore after this loss to Long Beach State. It kills a lot of momentum. And I'm very curious to see how they look coming out in the battle for Atlantis that will open against Memphis. And later on in the show, we will preview the Feast Week tournaments a little bit. But man, I don't know if there was a team that suffered a more disappointing loss in college basketball than Michigan on Friday night to Long Beach State. Moving on to takeaway number five, I wanted to talk a little bit about the reigning national runner-ups. That's the San Diego State Aztecs. And I've watched a lot of San Diego State over the course of the first few weeks of the season. I saw them against BYU, and then I watched a little bit of both of their games in uh, Las Vegas this past weekend uh, against St. Mary's in Washington. And the one thing that really stands out is Jaden Ledee is an absolute star. And right now he might have a realistic case to be the best player in all of college basketball. And it's funny because one concern I had with the Aztecs going into the season was they don't have Nathan Mensa anymore. And the thing that made their defense elite last year was him as the rim protector. That was one of the main reasons why. And Ladee has always been really good, but he's 6'9". And I wasn't sure if playing him as a center could really work. And although San Diego State might not be as elite as they were last year on the defensive side of the ball, Ladee has absolutely taken that step. And last night in San Diego State's overtime win against Washington, he just dominated the game. He finished with 34 points, 17 rebounds, 10 of 20 from the field, 14 of 18 from the line, and I have not seen a a player in college basketball better than him so far, and he deserves a ton of credit for that. I think San Diego State, their guard play also could be improved. Lamont Butler is a year older. I think he's going to be a year better. He had uh, seven points, three rebounds, four assists yesterday. The USC transfer, Reesticks and Waters, he had 13. Micah Parrish, who I thought was good last year, but was a little bit too inconsistent shooting the ball. He's gotten off to a really nice start. He had 15 points. And then the young big for the Aztecs, I don't even know if you call him a big, he's 6'8", Elijah Sanders. That is a great, great sign for San Diego State yesterday. He finishes with 16 and 8. But credit Jaden Ledee. What an absolute stud this kid is. And I love him because he just waited for his time. He 
played a pivotal part for San Diego State uh, towards the back end of last year in their run all the way to the national championship. And he only got better throughout the offseason. And he has just been absolutely dominant so far for San Diego State. And despite the hiccup to BYU, and you guys know, anyone who watches the sport, like playing a big game at the Marriott Center, that is never an easy place to play. And if you lose at BYU, they're just way worse losses to have. I actually think they're going to be better than people realize in the Big 12. But San Diego State, they actually beat Long Beach State, who we just finished talking about uh, and what they did against Michigan. They dominated St. Mary's 79-54 to in the second game or in, in the first game of the event. That game was crazy, too, because San Diego State was up by one at half. They were winning 34-33. And then the Aztecs outscored them 45 to 21 in the second half behind 25 and eight from Ladie. The dude is an absolute stud and I can't wait to keep watching him throughout the season. Shout out Jane Ladie. If we were to give a wooden award to a player after the first two weeks of the season, he would get it. We'll hit on another team that played really well and made it to the final four last year. It's funny. We, we're going to hit on all four final four teams from last year in this segment. And that wasn't even planned. They were just in action this weekend. And I thought it was noteworthy. We have to talk about the Miami Hurricanes who won the Bahamar event in the Bahamas with a convincing dominant victory over Kansas State yesterday. And they only won by eight. It was 91-83. But if you watch the game, it was never really that close. Miami was up 47-28 to 28 at the half. And Jim Laranega, man, he just keeps on doing it. And Miami is another one of these teams that was really good last year. They lost some key pieces from that Final Four team, and it doesn't even matter. Everyone just accepts their new role, and they just keep improving. Now, when you look at Miami, they lost Isaiah Wong. They lost Jordan Miller, but they still brought back a really nice core from that team last year, headlined by Nigel Pack and Norshad Omir who the two of those guys combined for 51 points yesterday, including Pack going off for 28 against his former team. And the thing about Omir that's so impressive to me is if you were to just watch him and how he plays, he dominates the glass and he's only six, seven, his ability to just play taller and bigger than his height is just unlike anything I've ever really seen before. And he's just such a tough player and he is also, keep in mind, a former transfer from Arkansas State, and he's had no problem at all adjusting to the ACC. You see a lot of former mid-major players struggle with that sometimes. No, nah, not him. And then Wuga Poplar and Matthew Cleveland, who Poplar was on the team last year. He, he was a key bench contributor in Cleveland, former five-star who transferred from Florida State. They combined for 30. Really impressive. And I know a lot of people are going to say, can Miami just survive relying on their starting five so much without really a bench? And although depth is a little bit of a concern, what I'd say to that is the last few years, it's not like Miami's had some great deep bench when they've been good and have made deep runs in the NCAA tournament. Their bench is still, it is what it is. Uh, they had, a, they have a young player, Keyshawn George. He played 15 minutes, had five points, five rebounds. AJ Casey, another young player, a lot of people around that program really like. He played 13 minutes, and I think those guys are going to get better and better as the season goes on. But it wasn't that long ago that we worried about Wuga Poplar and Bensley jo Joseph as key contributors off the bench, and now they're ready for a starting role, and they've been playing really well 
so far up to this point in the season. Jim Laranega, he's one of those guys where you thought maybe three, four years ago when Miami was really struggling coming out of the FBI investigation, you were asking yourself, how many years does this guy have left, especially coaching at an elite level? But the fact that Miami has made it to each of the last two elite eights and a final four last year, it's really impressive. And I think they're right behind Duke in the ACC. If you were to ask me right now, like Zach, who's the better team? Who would you take on a neutral floor, Miami or North Carolina? I would answer that with Miami. And these guards are a big reason why. Omir's a big reason why. And I was curious to see how they would look in this event facing a Kansas State team that found a way to beat Providence. Georgia has a lot of talent. They have a lot of length. I wasn't exactly sure how that matchup would look for the Hurricanes, but they played really, really well in a big way. Shout out to Jim Laranega. Shout out to the Hurricanes. And they are still one of the better teams in the sport. And they are still absolutely a threat to make a deep, deep tournament run. Now, I didn't have the opportunity to talk about the Champions Classic uh, coming out of that event on Tuesday night. And I do have some thoughts, mainly on Kentucky. And I know they lost to Kansas. That was a tough loss considering their guards. Some of them played really well. Some of them struggled. Antonio Reeves, DJ Wagner, and Justin Edwards are the names that come to mind. Wagner especially just didn't really have it. But the thing kind of like UConn that makes this Kentucky team so dangerous to me is they have so many different guys that could just beat you at any given time. And in that game against Kansas, it was Robert Dillingham and Reed Shepard who both were phenomenal. And the more you watch Kentucky, the more you say to yourself, like, man, John Calipari just has to find a way to get Reed Shepard on the floor as often as possible. Shepard in that Kansas game only played 16 minutes, but he finished with 13 points. He shot four or five from the field and three or four from three. And then Robert Dillingham had a stretch where he just couldn't miss hit like three threes in a row. He finished with 18 points, pretty efficient six of 12 from the three. And I'm very fascinated to see how John Calipari manages his lineups going forward, especially if Wagner and Justin Edwards, who of course are also two very highly touted recruits, if they struggle. So that might be a little bit of a question mark, but at the same time, John Calipari, there's no one else in college basketball. I'd have more confidence in making those tough decisions than him. And this is the thing that's so interesting about Kentucky is even though there are a lot of concerns about can you win with such a young team in college basketball in the year 2023, 2024, there isn't a coach better that I'd feel better about that has that ability to get the most out of young players and to help them improve throughout the course of the season than Calipari. This is really when he's at his best and watching that game against Kansas on Tuesday night, it really felt to me for the first time in a while that Kentucky might just be back. And this is going to be one of the most fun and entertaining teams to watch in college basketball this season, which is not something you've been able to say about the last few Kentucky teams. They will actually take on Miami, the team we just finished talking about in the SEC ACC challenge at Rupp Arena on November 28th. That game will must will be must see TV. I'm really looking forward to it. And even though Kentucky lost against Kansas, there were a ton of things that had to go wrong in their end and that went right on Kansas's end. Wagner and Edwards combined for five points on one of 18 from the field. Antonio Reeves, although he had 24 points, he was super inefficient. Seven of 25 from the field, 
three of 17 from three. And it's also important to remember that Kentucky was missing not just one of their seven footers, not just two of their seven footers, but three seven footers with injuries to Ugana Onyenso, Aaron Bradshaw, and Big Z Ivicic. He's still not been cleared by the NCAA yet. So despite the loss to Kansas, I'm feeling really good about Kentucky. They also dominated Stonehill in their second game of the week. They put up 100 points in that one, which is a great, great sign. And I just cannot wait to watch this Kentucky team improve and get better throughout the course of the season and just to watch them in the biggest games because that was phenomenal and super entertaining to watch on Tuesday night in the Champions Classic against Kansas. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So an interesting note I wanted to share with you guys for this next takeaway, right? And I don't usually reference the AP Top 25 a lot on this show the voters have their opinions. They could think whatever they want, but the ultimate results are going to take care of themselves on the court. And as the season goes on, we're going to learn more and more about these teams, but check this nugget out in the latest AP top 25. There've already been four teams that have lost a bye game, which is crazy. Those four teams are Florida Atlantic. They're coming in at number 19, which we just mentioned. They lost to Brian. Arkansas had a shocking loss on Friday night against UNC Greensboro and I'm curious to see how they come out now in the battle for Atlantis. They're ranked at number 20. Michigan State's at number 21. We know on opening night they lost to James Madison. And then also USC, they lost to UC Irvine this week. That is a little bit more of an acceptable loss considering they were missing two-thirds of their backcourt in Boogie Ellis and Kobe Johnson. But that's still a game you should win. There is a team, though, that hasn't lost yet. They're sitting at 5-0. That's coming in at number 25 in the AP poll, and I wanted to talk about them. And that's Chris Jans and the Mississippi State Bulldogs. And honestly, guys, I think Chris Jans has a legitimate case right now as one of the most underrated coaches in the country. And Mississippi State, they just continue to win. And the thing that's so interesting about this team is last year, and really all of Chris Jans' teams going back historically when he was at New Mexico State and Bowling Green, have been elite on the defensive side of the floor. You know if Chris Jans is your coach, you're going to be able to get stops and defense will never be a problem. Last year, though, they were historically bad shooting the three-pointer. They were literally, percentage and numbers-wise, the worst three-point shooting team in all of college basketball, and they still somehow found a way to make the NCAA tournament. That's how good of a defensive and overall coach Chris Jans is. And this offseason, to his credit, he really focused on correcting that issue and getting guys that could shoot the three-pointer much better. And we've seen that so far for Mississippi State. They have a freshman, Josh Hubbard, who has just been 
unreal so far this season. That included dropping 29 points in Mississippi State's victory over Northwestern yesterday. The Bulldogs, they found a way to win uh, their MTE in Mohegan Sun. They had two nice wins over Washington State and Northwestern. And this kid Hubbard led the way 29 points on 9 of 14 from the field, 4 of 8 from 3. And the thing that's really scary about this Mississippi State team that people forget is they're missing their best player, Tolu Smith. Anyone who follows SEC basketball knows this guy throughout the last couple of years has been one of the uh, better and more consistent players in the conference, and he's not even out there. And Mississippi State is still sitting right now at 5-0 and with a couple really nice victories, including over Arizona State and Northwestern. Those were two teams that made the NCAA tournament last year. And Jans didn't even put together that difficult of a non-conference schedule considering the SEC. We know how loaded of a league that is. It's an absolute grind. And we'll see Mississippi State against Tennessee, against Kentucky, against Arkansas, against Alabama. But man, they have sent an absolute message to the rest of their conference and really all of college basketball that we're not messing around. And this team is really good. Pam Matthews is another guy on the defensive side of the floor that has really stood out to me. He is just huge has great size, 6'7", 230. Jans also brought in an experienced big in Jimmy Bell, who was one of the better players on a West Virginia team last year that made the NCAA tournament without Tolu in the mix just yet. I think he stepped up. But, man, the shooting improvements are evident. And Mississippi State, if you're a fan of the Bulldogs, you got to be excited about Chris Jans and the direction this program is going in. Again, they were the worst three-point shooting team by the numbers in all of college basketball last year, and they still found a way to make the NCAA tournament. That is impressive, and I cannot wait to keep watching this Mississippi State team. They are phenomenal, and I think that number 25 next to their name in the latest AP poll is well, well deserved. We will stick in the SEC on the other end of the spectrum, and we have to talk about Missouri, who I'm not going to lie, they've been pretty disappointing to me so far. They suffered a pretty brutal loss to Jackson State last night. A Jackson State team that entered this game at 1 in 5 overall and they just have they're not very good. And Missouri has no excuse to lose that game at home. That's the bottom line. And I think Dennis Gates did a phenomenal job last year in his first season in Columbia. He got them to the NCAA tournament. They won an NCAA tournament game, which was really impressive. But As someone who entered the season pretty high on Missouri, I think even I underestimated just how big of a loss guys like Kobe Brown and Demoy Hodge really were to this team. DeAndre Golson is another guy they lost that played some big time minutes. And even though Missouri has a lot of players I like, a Nick Honor, a Sean East, a Josh Tanjay, a a Tamar Bates, guys like that, it's clear when you watch these guys, they just don't have enough dudes. And I was kind of wondering also going into the season, like who would be the odd team out in the SEC. Like I wasn't particularly high on Bama. I wasn't really buying the Florida hype as much as everyone else, but Missouri, man, you cannot lose at home to Jackson state. Keep in mind also uh, Missouri and some of their other big games so far this year, they got ran off the floor in the second half against Memphis and keep in mind the Tigers, the Missouri Tigers, I should say, they got off to a good start in that game. They were up 33, 26 at, uh, at the end of the first half. They then get outscored 44-22 to 22 by Memphis in the second half. Ran off the floor. Memphis looked really good in the second half. And then Missouri was very fortunate to beat Minnesota 
keep in mind, this is a Golden Gopher team that was the clear-cut worst team in the Big Ten entering the season. I still think they could claim that title now as the clear-cut worst team in that league. And Missouri was very, very fortunate to go into Williams Arena and beat the Golden Gophers uh, earlier this week. That was on Thursday night. And when you look at the Missouri Tigers going forward, when you compare them to some of the other teams in the SEC, they just don't have enough dudes. We know how athletic and how dynamic this conference is. And Missouri, I'm just not sure without Demoy Hodge, without Kobe Brown. Keep in mind, Kobe was a first-round pick in the NBA draft. That's how impressive he was last year. And any Missouri fan will tell you just how important he was to that team. I just think this Missouri team is lacking dudes. And although I'm a huge Dennis Gates fan, I'm not going to lie. This was a team I think I overrated going into the season. And I didn't really realize how much of an impact losing those guys like Brown, Hodge, and Golson would make. The final takeaway from this past weekend, and I never like to do this, right? I never like talking about guys who I think might be possibly losing their job a little bit sooner rather than later. But there are three coaches that suffered some tough losses this weekend that I look at and say, you know what? I'm just not really sure they could do anything to get things turned around and to get their team back into the NCAA tournament this season. The first one is Leonard Hamilton at Florida State, and he had a great run, right? Leonard Hamilton has been coaching college basketball for such a long time. I think he's an underrated coach. But the last two years for Florida State, where they actually had expectations going in and just didn't deliver, combined with the way they started this season, just getting absolutely ran off the floor by Florida on Friday night, I think the Leonard Hamilton era in Tallahassee is close to being done with. And again, I hate doing this because I do think overall Leonard Hamilton is a really good coach, but Florida State has some talent on this team, right? They last year got off, they got a really unfair break with all the injuries early on, but they have a team full of their own guys. And unfortunately, it just hasn't worked so far. They only have one loss. They're two and one, but they got ran off the floor by Florida. And we'll see how they play in their MTE. They, they'll actually take on UNLV tonight, but I just don't really see Leonard Hamilton being able to turn this thing around in Tallahassee. Florida State will uh, also, when you look at their non-conference schedule, they have uh, North Carolina, actually. that That's a conference game early in December. The, the non-conference schedule wasn't even that hard, and I still am not confident that they're going to be able to get by unscathed. The other coach I was talking about, number two, Mike Boynton and Oklahoma State, you can't lose to Notre Dame. And they've started the season now one and three with losses to Abilene Christian, Notre Dame, and St. Bonaventure. And the one game they won, that was against Sam Houston State, they were struggling early, and they were down in the first half. And I understand that Mike Boynton got a really bad break by the NCAA, uh, banning Oklahoma State from the NCAA tournament when they really could have made it. That was in 2022. And then the time they did make it, the Cade Cunningham year, you know, they won a tournament game, which was good, but they lost in the round of 32 to Oregon state and they had a golden opportunity to even go to the final four that year. If you remember in that bracket, that was when loyal Chicago beat Illinois, who was a number one seed and Oregon state. That was a team that came out of nowhere that made the elite eight. The only reason why they even made the NCAA tournament to begin with that year was because they won the PAC 12 tournament on this crazy run and Oklahoma state could have gone to the final four instead of uh, Houston, who ended up making it that year. But Mike Boyd and Kate Cunningham, 
And unfortunately, he only was able to win one tournament game with him. But not to harp on the past. This Oklahoma State team, you can't lose to Notre Dame. That's an unacceptable loss. I, I didn't think they came ready to play in the first half of that game. They were down by eight. And they had a, a guard in Javon Small drop 29. It wasn't enough. And the Cowboys fell at the hands of Notre Dame. Again, that's just not a game you could lose. And then the third coach I'm talking about is Mike Hopkins at Washington. The Huskies have a ton of NIL. They have talent, but I just don't really think this team fits together particularly well. They did beat Xavier in the first round of the Continental Tire uh, Invitational in Vegas, and they did win a game, and they did compete with San Diego State last night. That game was in overtime. The Aztecs honestly should have wrapped that game up pretty early, but they let Washington hang around a little bit, and the Huskies took advantage. But I think the writing is on the wall for those three coaches. Leonard Hamilton at Florida State. Mike Boynton at Oklahoma State, and Mike Hopkins at Washington. I don't think either of those three guys will be back on their respective team sidelines coaching next season. So that those are my top 10 takeaways from the opening, or not even the opening, the last week of college basketball. There were so many games, so many teams, so many thoughts, and I thought this would be the best way to hit on as many of them as possible. Maybe this could even be a weekly thing going forward. I love doing these quick hitters. Uh, had a great time breaking it down. And those were my top 10 takeaways from the past week of college basketball. Before we get out of here, I wanted to give you guys a quick preview of the things that I will be watching and looking out for this week during Feast Week. Again, probably the best time on the calendar to be a college basketball fan. And you got to start off with the Maui Invitational, right? That event is actually going to be tipping off in about 10 minutes. Clemson, or I'm sorry, Tennessee and Syracuse. I said Clemson, I have orange in my mind. They're going to be tipping it off, and this field for the Maui Invitational is just absolutely loaded. Maybe the best field of eight teams that I remember in my years of watching college basketball at one of these MTEs. You have Tennessee. You have Gonzaga taking on Purdue in the second game today. Those are two top 11 teams. You also have Kansas. You have UCLA. You have Marquette. And if we could get like a quarterfinal of Tennessee-Purdue and Kansas-Marquette, I don't think you could really ask for anything more as a college basketball fan. I'm curious to see how Purdue does against the top-notch competition. When you've watched them, the eye test will tell you that they are an elite team and there are not many teams in the sport better so far this season. But their best win is against Xavier, who is not even at full strength themselves. They're missing two of the guys that Sean Miller expected to be like main contributors going into the season. So I want to see Purdue against the top-notch competition. Keep in mind also... This Purdue team that basically returned everyone from last year, they dominated their MTE last year in the PK-85. You remember them just dominating Duke, and they beat Gonzaga in that event as well. So it was around this time last year that Purdue really made their mark and said, you know what, we're one of the best teams in the sport. I'm curious to see if they could do the same thing again this year. I was really impressed with Marquette and what they were able to do in the Gavit games against Illinois. Tyler Kolick, I think, is no doubt, no question, the best point guard in the country. And you guys know in college basketball just how important it is to have good point guard play. Marquette, they've been really good the last two years. We know they had a disappointing loss in the NCAA tournament last year. I'm curious to see how they do in this kind of event, especially taking on UCLA in that opening game tonight. That's a Bruin team, too, that I don't really know how to feel about them yet because they have so many new players. They lost so much from last year's team. And when you look at UCLA so far, 
I just feel like we don't, there aren't really many things to take away. But the good thing, if you're a Bruins fan, is one of their international players, a guy by the name of Burke Boyunko. I'm definitely not pronouncing that name right. I'm sorry. But Burke, he, if you talk to people around the UCLA program, they'll tell you, like, he's going to be one of the better players they have. And he just got cleared by the NCAA. So he will participate in the Maui Invitational. I can't wait to watch him. And this, again, is just an absolutely loaded field. If I were to make a prediction, I would take Tennessee to win it. I think they're one of the five best teams in college basketball right now. I think the depth on this team is really good. And the pieces, unlike some of Rick Barnes' teams in years past, where it felt like they had a little bit too much talent, I think the pieces on this team fit together really well. And they just have a bunch of dudes between Dalton Necht and Vescovy and Jonas Adu. This Tennessee team is the real deal. I would love to see them take on Purdue tomorrow. You also have the battle for Atlantis that will take place and get started on Wednesday. And this is, again, I wouldn't say it's as loaded as the Maui Invitational, but you have some really good teams. You have, although they, both of these teams lost, like you had Arkansas, you have Michigan, you have Memphis, you have North Carolina. That's another team I'm really looking forward to seeing for the first time against actual top-notch competition. It's a big year for Hubert Davis, especially after the way last season ended going from preseason number one to unranked and missing the NCAA tournament. And then you have another game to start the battle for Atlantis. This is going to be the second game in the first round. Villanova taking on Texas Tech. And I might surprise you guys here. I'm going to pick Texas Tech to win the battle for Atlantis. I think Grant McCaslin is one of those guys that is going to make an immediate impact. I'll give my our guy uh, Aaron Torres some credit on this. He brought up this comparison to me off the air. He is kind of like Jerome Tang at Kansas State in the sense that he just brought in a bunch of experienced winning players to go along with the guy in Pop Isaac, who I think might be one of the most underrated players in college basketball, and he might be the best player in the Big 12. Like, he is that good, and I'm looking forward to seeing him on the big stage. And I think Texas Tech, they could easily beat Villanova. I think that game is a toss-up. It's going to be an even game, but – Villanova, they're a team that brought back a mix of returning players and transfers. I was a little bit concerned on how well it would really go to start, and I still have those concerns, to be honest with you, despite them just absolutely obliterating Maryland on Friday night. But I'm in on Texas Tech. I think they beat Villanova and North Carolina. And then the bottom part of that bracket between Arkansas, Michigan, and Memphis, especially that first game between Michigan and Memphis – I'm super intrigued because Memphis, they looked really good against Missouri, but they're another one of these teams that just has a ton of new players. And so far it hasn't really looked like they've had any chemistry issues, but maybe that changes Michigan. Can they get back to the way they looked against St. John's after such a disappointing loss to Long Beach state. And I got to say this about Arkansas, right? And I know it's very hard for someone to say this based on Eric Musselman and his track record, Hiring him was literally the best thing that's ever happened. Not ever, but I would say the best thing that's happened to the Arkansas program in the last two decades. Arkansas had a crazy long streak, not making it to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament since 1996. Must first gets there right before the start of the 2020 season. And by 2021, he had them in the Elite Eight. He had them in the Elite Eight in 2022. And then last year, Arkansas made the Sweet 16 but unfortunately they lost to UConn. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I just don't love this Arkansas team like I have some of their teams in the past. and. I think they're really talented, right? L. Ellis, Tremont Mark, they bring back Devo Davis. Trevon Brazil looked healthy, and I still think he could be an impact player. I still think when it's all said and done, Arkansas is going to be a top 20, top 25 team. I just don't know if the ceiling for this team is as high as it's been in years past, and I think their best path forward, if they want to get back to the second weekend, like where they ultimately want to be, they're going to need Trevon Brazil to be the guy he was pre-ACL injury last year, which I feel like he can, but I just think it's hard and a lot to ask of a guy coming back of that big of an injury to be that guy right away. They have other guys that could step up, Mark, Ellis, Khalif Battle, but I watched a lot of that game on Friday night against UNC Greensboro, which they lost, and that was pretty disappointing. They just had no resistance on the defensive side of the ball, and I think that will get better. But I just think the overall talent level of this Arkansas team is not not even the overall talent level. I just don't love like compared to last year when they had Nick Smith, Anthony Black, Jordan Walsh, Ricky Council. And I know those guys weren't healthy. And keep in mind, I said it on the last show. If Arkansas has Trevon Brazil healthy throughout last season, I think they easily make the final four could have made it likely made it would have made it. But I just am a little bit concerned about this Arkansas team compared to years past. But if anyone could uh, figure it out, it's Eric Musselman. And uh, that they will open against Stanford. That's a game they should win. Jared Hass, he's another coach. Uh, when I mentioned the guys on the hot seat earlier, that is probably right in that group. Stanford, they had a disappointing loss uh, to start off their season. They already have one loss. That came earlier in the season. That was, uh, let me see, that was, that was against... Um, Santa Clara, who's a good program, but that's not a game you should lose if you're Stanford. And they have plenty of talent on that team. They just haven't necessarily seen the results. So the battle for Atlantis, that should be a top-notch event. We have other non-conference games to look forward to over Feast Week as well. You will have Arizona taking on Michigan State in Florida. That will be on Thanksgiving afternoon. That should be a great game. Tonight, we will have Wisconsin taking on Virginia. I think that's a game Wisconsin needs to win. And I know losing to Virginia isn't necessarily a bad loss per se. But at the same time, when you look at the Badgers, they just got torched by Providence. That's not a good matchup for them. Didn't have the athletes to really match up with Providence. But Virginia's not like that. Now, Virginia did look really good in their win against Florida. You got to give them credit for how well they played there early in the season. But I think this is a game Wisconsin should really have. You also will have the ESPN Events Invitational. That uh, mentioned that a little bit earlier when talking about Florida Atlantic. They're going to be there. Iowa State, who has played really well to kick off this season, they will be there as well. Uh, I think either one of those teams, uh, Texas A&M too, like they could win that event. At the Barclays Center, you'll have an event between Florida and Pittsburgh, as well as Baylor and Oregon State. I'm looking forward to that Florida-Pittsburgh game. 
the Panthers, this is a team that made the NCAA tournament last year, and they have a freshman by the name of Carlton Carrington, who listened to these numbers. So far this season, he's averaging 18 points and six assists, along with five and a half rebounds per game. He's shooting 54% from the field, 51% from three, and 80% from the free throw line. This kid looks like a one and done when I've watched him so far. And although Pitt did lose some key pieces from that tournament team from last year, Nellie Cummings is a name that comes to mind uh, to start, along with Jamarius Burton, who made some huge plays for the Panthers down the stretch. I do think this kid Carrington is the real deal, and Jeff Cable deserves credit because Pitt could get back to the NCAA tournament. In the ACC, which is, to this point, it's underwhelmed so far. Pitt is actually a team I think could be better than we expected. Another team I would put into that category is Clemson, who they have a ton of talent. They were like a fringe NCAA tournament team last year. They just missed, but they played well enough to ensure that Brad Brownell would at least have one more year. He's one of those guys that it feels like he's been on the hot seat for such a long time, but he always finds a way to do just enough to hang around. And this Clemson team looks pretty good. I watched a little bit of them against Boise State yesterday. That core of Chase Hunter, P.J. Hall, Coming back as returning players, they both played really well. They also bring in Joe Girard from Syracuse transfer, who was their best player yesterday. He had 23 in the win over Boise. And Boise will also be in that ESPN events invitational. Despite the loss yesterday, I think they're really good. I think they're going to be right there. The trio of Tyson Genhart, Chig Agbo, and Cam Martin, the Kansas transfer, I think they are all really good. Max Rice, the coach's son, He's in the mix as well. This is a Boise team that has made each of the last two NCAA tournaments, and I think they will be back this year. That ESPN events invitational field is actually, I feel like, a little bit better than most people realize, and I think that event will actually be pretty good. Boise will open things against Virginia Tech. Before we get out of here, there is one more team I wanted to give some credit to coming out of this past week, and that is Kelvin Sampson and the Houston Cougars, who won the Charleston Classic with a nice win last night in the championship game over Dayton. And first off, the thing I really like about Houston is I feel like compared to years past, we're going to know much more about this team entering March because we're just going to see them in a lot more high-quality games. And their backcourt, not only is the depth great, but they just have a lot of really good players. And there aren't many guard duos in the country better than Jamal Shedd and LJ Cryer. Shedd is a returning player that has been a really key piece on each of the Houston teams the last two years that have made the deep runs in the NCAA tournament the second weekend. And Cryer, a Baylor transfer, who has had big roles on Baylor the last few years, teams that have been really good. Those two guys in the win over Dayton in the championship game yesterday – they combine for 36 points. You have a couple of young guards in Emmanuel Sharp and Terrence Archinault as well coming off the bench. Both those guys could really light it up, both super talented. And uh, I feel good about this Houston team. I, I think they're a top 10 team deserving of that ranking. And there was never really a doubt for them against Dayton yesterday. What they did just really dominated from start to finish. They were up by eight at halftime, never really looked back. And their defense holding Dayton to 55 points, Dayton shot. 19 of 47 from the field. That's only 40%. They also shot four of 18 from three. The Houston Cougars, they are the real deal. They deserve a lot of credit. And props to them for finally taking that leap, going to the Big 12. I think the top four in the Big 12 between Kansas, Houston, Baylor. You want to throw Texas in there. You want to throw TCU in there. They haven't really played a marquee game yet. 
you have Kansas State. BYU has been playing well. Iowa State is a team to watch. So the Big 12, it is continuing to be just like it always is, just a top-notch quality league that will only get better with the Houston Cougars now in the mix. That's going to do it for today's episode of the College Hoops Daily Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed. It was great talking about some of my top takeaways of the weekend. Great preview and feast week. And enjoy all the basketball that is set to come this weekend. It's a great time to be a college basketball fan. One of the best times on the sports calendar overall. This was another episode of the College Hoops Daily Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.